Um. Um. Banner, what the fuck are you doing? I'm connecting with the other bros. Hey, Banner, I got your telepathic message. Here's that beer you asked for. Oh, thanks, man. Damn it, where's my beer? You didn't ask horns for one. Welcome in to the Bro for Squad podcast, where we're just a bunch of bros drinking beer and watching TV and movies. I'm your host, the Mayor Jeff Hornacek. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. This is our review of The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 6, titled The Tragedy. And before we get into it and meet the fellow bros, we are here to review this as we do all of our TV episodes on the four Bro for Squad criteria, the acting, the story, our favorite scene, and any theories or questions going forward. So it's the usual crew tonight, the mad scientist Brian Banner and the American hero Nate Thurmond. Let's get right into it with the acting and the cast. Nate, we'll toss it to you first. One of the larger casts we've had probably this season, because uh, we've had a couple of returning faces. Actually, I think all technically returning faces, but obviously expanded roles for some characters uh, that we've seen briefly in the show so far. Yeah, we finally got the payoff that we've been waiting for, even preseason, because we knew it was rumored that he was going to be in it. So we finally get <clears throat> Boba Fett back in the action, and it did not disappoint, in, in my opinion. His role in the in, in this episode, um, and he kind of he he took over, especially in one of the one of the big scenes, which everyone's aware of, um, but. I thought <clears throat> the choreography that he was used in and all that, the fighting scene was fantastic. Um, and it was a long awaited for, I mean, all Star Wars fans getting to see Boba Fett be such a badass and, and kick ass in such a spectacular way. It was, it was awesome um, seeing him and then also seeing that Finnick um, was nursed back to health from Boba Fett as well and seeing her back in. And I think that's going to be really cool. Dynamic. It was it was a cool dynamic in that episode. Um, I think it's gonna be cool going forward. Obviously, seeing that they're kind of tied to Mando now um, for the foreseeable future until their their uh, deal is done. Um, but overall, yeah, it was it was great as far as the acting, and not just like the acting at face value, but like I said, like the fight sequences, the choreography, and all that, and the actors doing their parts in in those. And for most of the part, it seemed like there weren't too many stunt doubles used. I know there were some, some of it, but it looked like they were doing a lot of their own fighting. So that was really cool to see. Yeah. I was obviously I love the callback to season one, uh, relating Boba because we did suspect, and I think this is even in our theories and questions from last season that the person walking up to the assumedly dead Fennec was Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. It turned out to be true. And Nate, you and I talked about this off pod, but Brian, it, do you think it's accurate to say that we got more screen time from Tamir Morrison and Boba Fett in this episode than actually we have had in the entire duration of Star Wars prior to this? It's got to be close because, I mean, really the only other time we have him is in Attack of the Clones. And 
I don't know if he did a lot of the stuff when he was wearing the Mandalorian helmet uh, in Attack of the Clones. So, yeah, well, this even comparing Boba Fett to like just Boba Fett briefly in oh, Jedi. Oh, just Boba Fett? Yeah, no, yeah. this is hands down the longest we've ever got him. I'm sorry, yeah. I thought you were talking about the actor. No, no, no. just Boba Fett. It, well, and even even that, even if you add in when he's a kid, mm-hmm. um, as far right. as live action goes, yeah, this is the longest that we've ever got him. So that was cool. And then obviously, Banner, you and I from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., big Ming-Na Wen fans, was glad she came back and just continues to instill. Even though I would say Boba Fett is Mandalorian adjacent, this is a loyal fucking group of people, right? Like, when they make a deal, they see it through to the end. So it's like the double pinky swear. Like, a Mandalorian (laughs) or someone with a Mandalorian armor makes a promise, and you're set. No backsies. Right. And then, of course, at the end, we get... John Carlo Esposito, who we love, and I, th- th- he's just been like, with the exception of maybe like one episode last season, there's so much more to Moff Gideon that I don't know when we're gonna know all of it or all his characters' details. But I'm really, really excited for that. And then just briefly, Gina Carano again is Cara Dune. She's just not a good actress, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I see, yeah the, the one scene she was in, it almost seemed like. She was acting in a different scene than Mando. <laughs> they were not syncing up at all. And it was a short scene, too. And, the, of course, they tease Bill Burr's character. I can't remember his character's name again, yep. but we'll get into that in theories and questions. Banner, what do you think about the performances here? So, do we have good first or bad first? Yes. Uh, all right, so... Yeah. Good. Uh, Pedro Pascal gave me all the feelies with everything that he was saying. And then... Um, Obviously, the way that, and I don't know the actor's name, um, played him physically, mm-hmm. those two, I don't know if they're on the same page or they sh- telepathically use the force to talk to each other, but the actions and the uh, voice match up probably better than I've ever seen it in this entire show. And not that's not saying that it's been bad. It's been fantastic. I just got all the feelies by the way that he was trying to get into... Um, baby Yoda through the force force field and the way that you could tell this is the first time he kind of was nervous about things. Mm -hmm. Um, and his, his body language really professed that as well as, as what he was saying. Uh, Esposito, man, I, I thought he didn't do a very good job. I was really disappointed. Um, I echo everything you say, Jeff, about wanting to know more about the character and, uh, excited about where they go with that. I just thought, and maybe it's just because I had such high expectations when we finally got the character in the episodes. I just didn't think it was very good. I thought it was, he was trying too hard. He was doing too much, uh, especially in that kind of pseudo interrogation scene with uh, Grogu. Yeah, it's tough because his character almost has this, basically like the tail of the tape on him and how intimidating his character is supposed to be. It's kind of like a, it's been told to us, but we haven't really seen it that much. Yeah, yeah, and it didn't it didn't live up to the hype, if you will. Yeah. Now I still think his best moments are ahead of him this season. I hope. Hundred mm-hmm. uh, percent agree. And it almost yeah. seemed like maybe if we bitch about it tonight, they'll correct it next week because that's exactly what happened with Boba Fett. You obviously Lucasfilm and John Favreau make adjustments the day before the episode drops based on our podcast. Of course. Yeah. Well, yeah. they obviously don't listen to everything because <laughs> Gina Carano still sucks. I think it's just it, you know the sh- the train has left the station. With her. there was a 
one cool thing that was that I'll add in here that was a, a cool nod in the um, in the dialogue. Whenever Boba Fett shows up and he says, "I'm just a simple man making my way through the galaxy," that was a nod to uh, Attack of the Clones. Jango Fett says a very similar line: "I'm just a simple man trying Ooh. to make my way through the world." I think is what he yeah. says. So I was like, oh, "Okay, that's very that's nice. a good catch." Good so, catch. Some good good Easter eggs in there that are that are nice. Nice. Last thing I'm gonna say is I feel cheated with Ming Na Wen. Yeah, and but I. I feel like we weren't even supposed to have her again anyway, though. So Just me, because she's been alive this whole time and we haven't been able to experience her? No, because we know she is capable of the hand-to-hand combat and can do all that shit so well from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I understand she's a sharpshooter and that she's playing a completely different character, but they had several opportunities for her to like pull out a fucking dagger or something and start murking people in the necks with it, and they didn't do that. I, I get it. I'm just disappointed because I know she's capable of doing better things than that. Yeah. And we didn't see it. <clears throat> Maybe she's just still nursing that injury that they're, they had to replace with robot parts. I've got a big problem with that. Too, yeah, she's kept, we'll move on. She's yeah, that was pistons in her stomach. That was kind of an issue for me, too. It's just like too. it's too easy in the Star Wars. Yeah, game. I understand like. And we'll just we'll just move on. This is kind of a transition to story. I understand when somebody gets their arm chopped off or their leg chopped off or they're burnt, like you can use technology and robotics to save them. But essentially what they just did is unless you get shot in the head, you're not technically dead. Because they can just throw a bunch of robot parts on you and you're fine. Well, we saw the same thing with Maul. I mean it's Yeah. Like- I, yeah, was about, I was about to say, yeah, the same thing with, with Darth Maul. Do you did you have the same issues with that banner? Knowing that he's still uh, alive in the universe. A little bit, but not as much because Darth Maul's way fucking cooler than Ming-Na Wen. <laughs> well, that's not, that's not enough to justify that. Look, I, I told know, you guys going into this episode <laughs> that I had a lot of issues, and it's all because of what I want, not because of what they necessarily did or didn't do. Should you live by these robotics? Are you cool enough? <laughs> Yeah, I, I I have the rubber stamp. I will tell you if you get <laughs> yeah, to. It's the first. Yeah. I mean, it's the first question on the questionnaire. So, I mean, <laughs> all right. Moving on to story and plot. The synopsis, according to IMDb, says the Mandalorian and child travel to an ancient site. And I got to say, before I even get into my three bullet points on the breakdown of the story, I think for the first time I was very relieved that Mando has a planet he's going to, and he actually gets there without like the Razor Crest breaking down or him getting sidetracked or something. I was like, oh wow, yeah. we're actually. On the planet, we set off to go to at the end of last episode. What a breath of fresh air. So here, obviously, we have Tython, uh, where Ahsoka Tana sent Mando and Grogu for the Seeing Stone, where he sets uh, Grogu to reach out to the Jedi. Boba Fett and Fennec show up, and then an incredible action set piece takes place. Basically, the majority of the episode was Boba, Fennec, and Mando just fighting off in some pretty visceral action, uh, a stormtrooper... Uh, contingency sent by Moff Gideon. And then, of course, at the very end, Moff Gideon captures Grogu and is interrogating, not interrogating him, but torturing him, or at least testing him uh, so that they can take a sample of him to build whatever those uh, creatures are. Uh, so, Brian, what do you think of the story plot here? So, I'm going to kind of backwards into this, but this isn't the team or group that I necessarily wanted, uh, Ming-Na Wen, Boba Fett, Mando. Uh, But I'll take it. I said on previous episodes I would have rather Ahsoka, uh, Grogu, and Boba or uh, Mando, but whatever. Uh, 
Grogu creating that force field and how they visualized him reaching out in the force was not how I imagined it. And they did it so much better than what I did in my head. I wasn't sure going back and thinking about when Ahsoka Tana says he, if he reaches out in the force, we'll see if somebody, you know, comes and finds him essentially. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how are they going to do that? Just have him sitting on a fucking rock meditating. Like, all right, that's cool. Before the episode, I thought they might do like him hovering like Luke did on his rock. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I didn't, I didn't think of that prior. Mm -hmm. That would have made sense as well, but that, thing coming down or that force field that he built around him protecting him while he's in that meditative state was Mm -hmm. really really cool um loved how they doubled down on the mando being a father figure to grogu um as i mentioned before mando really this is the first time that i'm not gonna say he lost his shit but he was not in complete control of the situation and necessarily his emotions um really from the time Boba Fett and Finnick show up. Uh, quick question for you guys. When did the Iron Legion join the Star Wars universe? <laughs> like the the bootleg Ultrons at the beginning of Age of Ultron? Yeah, I don't... I, I really didn't like that. I thought they were actual people. And maybe that's because of me. I thought they were actual, like, stormtroopers that were just like on well, steroids dark some dark, dark troopers yeah they call them dark troopers i'm yeah. led to believe that they're not fucking droids yeah seems like they're just droids like i i don't know wasn't a fan of that um and we saw them starting to kind of bring a couple of those loose ends that we were talking about last week into together into maybe we'll call them bigger loose ends but stories are starting to collide a little bit which mm-hmm. I still don't know if they're going to be able to get all this together in two episodes, but I see the attempt and that's cool. Yeah. I think that was my favorite part is the forward momentum of the narrative in this one, where they really set the clear, concise. All right. This is how the the season is going to have its inevitable finale. This is what we're building towards. And we'll get into it. I think a little bit in theories, but this sort of like Avengers style team that Mando's going to have to assemble to go take on Gideon and get Grogu back and kind of the race against time, because we don't know what exactly Gideon, I mean, we have an idea, but what exactly he's using Grogu to build yeah, uh, and what it, it's plans mean for the galaxy. And then I think again, Nate will probably mention this in terms of who directed this episode, but this was like one of the, least effects laden action set pieces this show has done and it was an extensive one and it was executed to perfection i mean this was like choreography and practical effects all just in this perfect cocktail of like damn that's a tv show Mm -hmm. i was like holy shit so nate what'd you think about the story um yeah i'll kind of run through and touch on uh seen not seen by scene but kind of chronologically through through it so yeah the uh, first razor crest scene when they're in that that's awesome mando really connecting like banner was saying doubling down on the dad figure saying his name and just like you can see the joy and it goes back to what banner was saying too like the actor in the suit and pedro pascal like they line up perfectly like he said grogo he looks up and he's like huh and he like laughed and like chuckled to himself that was a real cool and touching moment but um then from there, kind of what Banner was saying too, piggybacking on that, like he's he's not in control. Um, he does get fr- gets frustrated whenever Grogu takes the ball for a second, but then the rest of the episode he's not really in control. Um, 
of really anything that's going on. Um, so then, yeah, uh, I thought it progressed really well and, um, I'll just go ahead and jump into, yeah, the, uh, director, because once they got on, uh, on the planet, I was like watching, I was like, this is like different. It's shot different. It's not a bad thing. And then realized at the end that Robert, uh, Robert Rodriguez was, was the director who, who filled in apparently for like a last second dropout director. We don't know who, which we were talking about off pod a while back. Drama. Um, what's up? Drama, like drama. Yeah, they have to replace him. Why would you want to say that as a show? But yeah, super weird. Um, but yeah, this was done so great. Like the the fighting scene was fantastic. It was kind of a throwback to like the original movies. I felt like you get the stormtroopers in there. Um, it was a great way of like paying homage and it felt like a souped up version of throwing it back because you got like updated stormtrooper outfits, updated obviously cameras and all this stuff shooting all that. And the way it was shot was fantastic. Like the angles and everything. And that's like, obviously just like a direct correlation to the director who was, who was uh, controlling everything. Um, so I think he went above and beyond expectations in, in that aspect of actually directing the shit out of it and getting everything they need um for that um now i'm just kind of rambling but um but yeah i mean overall it was super jam-packed with shit so um the the final part where grogu is kind of playing with stormtroopers was great too which got some things and theories that I'll, i'll get into later but um it was great seeing him use the force and i think there's some telling things in there too um of how he was using the force and and what he was doing with the stormtroopers yeah, great combination, I think, of action and progressing the plot. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Probably best... the best they've done all season. Yeah, I agree. And there's If not awesome... series. True. There's been some awesome action set pieces this season, like the whole, uh, I can't remember, was it two episodes ago where it was Griff, Cargo, and uh, Cara Dune working with him on that abandoned Imperial base? Yeah, two yeah. Like That ago. whole canyon chase afterwards was awesome, but really the story didn't move until kind of like the last 30 seconds mm-hmm. where we saw what Gideon was working on. Yeah, for sure. All right, our favorite scene. This was a really tough one for me because I want to just say the action set piece where the stormtroopers... <laughs> show up on Titan, and then I realized as I kept watching the episode, I was like, "That's this is 20 minutes long. And that wasn't a complaint, but how can I justify it as a scene when it's basically the whole fucking episode? So mm-hmm. the, I think it was... Okay, a cool homage was Boba Fett using a thermal detonator again, kind of really? like his... Like the bounty hunter's like OG weapon. And I always remember from uh, Jedi 3PO, he's got a thermal detonator! And like his... <laughs> <laughs> whiny ass high pitched droid voice. So that was just kind of like a cool nod. But we've alluded to it twice. Uh, so I don't, I won't really add much to it, but I just want to give it credit where credit's due. And it, my favorite scene was, in fact, the on the Razor Crest flying into Tython, uh, mm-hmm. messing with his little, the top of his <clears throat> stick shift with Grogu. And it just sort of, again, as you guys have said, drives the point home that Mando at the start of this show was one of the most ruthless bounty hunters in the entire galaxy and while he still has that skill set meeting Grogu has definitely changed him uh, forever I think and he's even starting to realize it and he's okay with it which is one of the something you don't typically see in shows like this like the the protagonist usually like has a lot of resistance or fights that uh, nurture 
instinct that they start to develop. So it has been kind of cool to see him just embrace that. Nay, what was your favorite scene? Um, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, obviously, yeah, it's tough not to take the take the fighting scene in its entirety because it's so fucking long, in a good way. Um, but uh, I will say just like certain aspect of that, and I kind of touched on it in the plot, but I'll go into it a little further. Boba Fett's fighting style and like um, the really the the, the first the first part of it is really what I liked whenever he was using the, the Tuscan Raider staff that he had. Um, and he was, I don't know. Is that it? (laughs) Sure. Yeah. What it looked like. Um, but yeah, that was like the, the introduction and kind of one of the things we've been waiting for, um, later on when he gets his armor and everything is, is a whole different story. And I think you can classify that as a whole nother scene, but, um, the way the way that was shot, um, like the close up combat and the fucking pieces of plastic flying off the stormtroopers helmets as he's smashing them in. It was fantastic. It was well done. Um, he he did great in it. And then obviously it goes back to Robert Rodriguez. The the angles and everything were fantastic. And he was just such a badass in that scene. It like it set up the rest of the fight scene whenever whenever that kicked off. He was just kicking ass with that thing. Um, and it was cool that he was using that from from the Tuscan Raiders, too. I'm sure there's been like a staff meeting on the Death Star with the Empire where a stormtrooper raised his hand and he was like, I got a question. What does the standard issue armor actually protect us from? Because laser blast, like it does nothing. Like we might as well just be in our bare skin. Yeah. And I know that Boba Fett, you know, he's got a strong exit velocity when he swings that Tuscan Raider thing, but the dude's like 55 and is just absolutely shredding through our helmets with this Tuscan Raider staff. <laughs> and the Tuscan Raiders are like, dude, they're like fucking scavengers. Like they probably find all that shit at yard sales and repurpose. Yeah. So what are we, we're clearly not spending our money on armor. And if it's not protecting us, it's just weighing us down. Now, yeah, can we get a, re- can we get a revised budget and put a little more stock into this armor? Yeah, we're we're cutting corners on the material here. Banner, what was your favorite scene? So I again really liked the uh, Boba Fett just being a ninja and fucking people up with the Vuvuzela. But I am going to go with when Mando first comes back up to the Seeing Stone mm-hmm. and first sees uh, Grogu in the Force Force Field or whatever. I, do we even know what that is? I mean, I know he was just he was reaching out in the force. I mean, we'll just call it a force field. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know. It whatever that was, Mando trying to get through that to save Yoda and then realizing that's kind of when he started to lose his shit and was like, okay, uh, well, you're doing that, but we have to leave, but I'll try and save you. I don't know if I can do this. I've got these other fucking people that I don't know if I can trust them. It, it shit kind of hit the fan for the first time. And watching our heroes kind of be down and not in control and honestly not knowing if they're going to get out of it or not was really, really cool to me. And seeing the emotion that Mando was actually able to have towards Grogu and really that sacrifice that he was willing to make. Yeah, that was huge. But... um Sorry, I was muted. I was going to say it was interesting to the uh, sort of the quick, like thinking on your feet 
between Boba Fett and Mando because Boba Fett and Fennec went quickly from we'll shoot the kid just to get my armor to then they went to like we'll go to the end of the galaxy to get that kid back with you like the the quick nature and the pivot of that relationship and it makes sense to me but it's just like these guys literally fly by the seat of their pants sometimes and it's a, an interesting way to live your life yeah in galaxy all right anything else we want to move on to my favorite part of the show uh um, i got one one last thing was anybody else really sad when the razor crest blew the fuck up i kind of was I really liked it, it's and I. I mean, yeah, it was it was it was a good loyal ship. Yeah, I, I, I just, had like emotional attachments to it, though. Yeah, it, I mean, it was. I, I can understand. Yeah, and it didn't blow up in a way that like Fennec, quote unquote, died. Like that thing blowed the fuck up. Yeah, yeah. like it's not going to be the Razor Crest anymore, and I'm interested I, to see. Are they, I mean, I assume they're just going to fly around in Boba Fett ship now, right? Slave One. Yeah, I think it was kind of like a. A plot device to get them on Slave One, Boba Fett's classic ship that everybody loves. Which, by the way, seems super uncomfortable because the way he lands, like you have to, like if you were sitting on it, you basically are laying down. Yeah, I I was, I was interested because it's flying this way, and all of a sudden it's landing. I'm like, which way are they? And I don't think we've seen how they're positioned in there yet, so I'm kind of confused still. (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit bizarre. All right, theories and questions. We'll go around Rob here. Uh, I'll go first. My first theory. Uh, so, the dark troopers. When those guys came out, Banner, maybe you know this. Have those appeared at all in Clone Wars or Rebels? Any of the animated series? Not that I'm aware of. But I also was looking for people, not droids. So there's a good possibility that they are alive or exist. Okay. Well, I was going to say this actually. Instead of a theory, this really is a question. I mislabeled this one. But the dark troopers. Those are not what Gideon is using Grogu's blood to create, right? That's just probably like a different type of force or enforcement team that he has. Yeah, I would I think, assume so. Yeah, I think he he's using Grogu for something else. Okay, it just seemed weird that they employed them literally. They didn't do anything. They just picked up Grogu and then flew back up to the ship. I was like, dude, they, I thought it was going to be kind of cool if they got to fight him or something, but it sort of seemed like a waste. All right, I just wanted to clarify that yeah it, he's not like building an army of those things specifically but we're assuming something probably more powerful and with some force sensitivity yeah i think i think we even touched on this uh two episodes ago but whenever they were at that base and they had those things in like the liquid or whatever behind the the windows i think mm-hmm. that may have had something to do with it i'm not too sure just because uh dr uh pershing who's trying to extract whatever they are from Grogu wasn't right. at that base. So, but it kind of seems like they were connected. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, I got three more, but I'll, we'll go around Robin. Nate, what do you got? Um, yeah. So this is kind of a, a question and then it developed into a theory of what I think was going on. So kind of just open it up and see what you guys are th- thinking. What exactly did Grogu do on the scene stone? Did he connect with somebody? Um, was there anything? Do we think that there was anything significant that actually happened that will develop later? So I've been wondering this for a while. Obviously, that this is my next question, too, so it ties into it. Who or what Jedi will respond? I'm assuming he successfully reached out. Okay. I'm wondering, or the more I think about it, was Ahsoka kind of testing either Grogu or Mando, or a combination of both, to see if they would go to Tython and, in fact, do that. 
and if Grogu had the potential that she thought that he had to actually send out that call to the Jedi. Because, Banner, maybe you're feeling more optimistic than I am. I don't want to say this is me being cynical, because I would love for her to show back up again, but I don't see any Jedi appearing this season except for Ahsoka Tana again. Yeah, I I agree. I had a theory um, last week that... Moff Gideon essentially tracked the Razor Quest to that planet that Ahsoka was on. He destroyed that. Ahsoka escaped, and that's how Ahsoka's going to end up back with Mando. I think that was really optimistic of me to think that was how it was going to happen. I don't see them introducing anybody else that's Force-sensitive this season. That's not like a end credit scene or some sort of cliffhanger. Um I think somehow we are going to get Ahsoka Tana back with Mando and or Grogu at some point in time. But there's no way. Essentially, they either have to take two characters from video games that literally nobody's going to know about. Right. Ahsoka Tana, clearly. Luke, um, which I think is extremely unlikely. And then Ezra Bridger is the next one. And I don't think they're going to introduce Ezra Bridger this way just because we don't know where he's at in the universe last time we saw him in the universe ahsoka tana and sabine who is another mandalorian were actually looking for ezra bridger he disappeared so of his own accord or were they like suspect foul play no he he disappeared on his own accord okay kind of like how luke did in between yes kind of how luke did uh Essentially similar to how Ahsoka did um, in at the end of Clone Wars as well. Slightly different circumstances, but... Yeah. Yeah, I think... So, yeah, what Jeff was saying was kind of leading into the, kind of the same theory I had. So I think there was an actual bond that Grogu made. And I think it's a pretty safe assumption that it may have been a test that she sent them out there to do that. And so she knew what was coming. So she was kind of sensitive to any, uh, any other feelings. If she started feeling something, someone reaching out, she was like, okay, I know this is going to be coming. Um, so I'll kind of be looking for it. So I think there's going to be a bond that's connected now between her and, and Grogu after that. Um, and obviously kind of high hopes, but um, we're here to, throw out stupid and, and far-fetched theories anyway, but um, I'm thinking Ahsoka is going to, is going to meet up and like kind of track Grogu through their bond now that they made um, on the scene stone. And I'm just hoping for a really badass lightsaber scene on a starship with the dark saber. And dark, I, I mean, we yeah. know Ahsoka's tracking Thrawn. So yeah. if she feels like Gideon is the best vessel to get to Thrawn, mm-hmm. which I'm, I mean, assuming there's it some, there's some semblance of the Empire left, which it appears there is. I would imagine yeah. they're working together in some capacity. Yeah. yeah Banner, how about you? Badass lightsaber scenes. I love that theory. I would also expand on that, that I think once Grogu, Ahsoka, and Mando are all back together, what if we had some sort of Mando is doing the training with Grogu because Grogu responds to him in that fatherly way? But Ahsoka is telling Mando, hey, do this, do that to mm-hmm. teach him the right ways. Almost sh- she's using him as the tool to teach Grogu what he needs to know. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Some, yeah. Something like that. Um, I think <laughs> either next week and or the season finale, we are, which this isn't going out on a very far limb here, but we're going to have Mando, 
Bill Burr, Ming-Na Wen, Boba Fett, and Ahsoka Tana all fighting on one side. In the same scene, we will have Grogu there as well. We're going to have Moff Gideon and his dark trooper droids plus some stormtroopers. And then Bo-Katana and her army of Mandalorians all in the same scene fighting in this Royal Rumble. I'm doubling down on that Royal Rumble for the Darksaber. Mm-hmm. I don't see why that is not... I mean, that's what it looks like they're they're pushing towards, right? I mean, that's season finale type shit right there. It has to be. You know? Yeah. That was actually my next theory, was that we're going to see... Yeah, again, like basically an Avengers-style assembling. Of, and I predicted the same thing at the end of Agents of Seal, and it didn't happen. But this one, they've actually given us the breadcrumbs, like... And I can't remember his name, obviously, but outside of Bill Burr, but introducing his character again. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, that's the first step to all this happening. They already have three quarters of the team you just described. And I think that them introducing and bringing Bill Burr back is very interesting because what essentially was a throwaway episode from last season now has pretty significant. Um, uh, it holds kind of significant. What's the word I'm looking for, guys? Significance. Basically. Signi- yeah. Yes, that is to the plot. <laughs> okay, thank you. I, that episode is now very significant to the plot. Yeah, that's a uh, really good point because yeah, that episode pissed while me off it was badass season. in its own right, and it was a great episode. Yes. you could take that out, and nothing changes with the overall plot. So it actually is kind of cool that they're bringing it back and tying it in. So whether this was planned or not, I'm assuming it probably was, um, at least in a small uh, capacity. Um, but at least it means something a little bit more now. Yeah, that episode occurred at a time, too, in season one, where, like, it was three straight episodes where it kind of felt like they were doing the exact same monster of the week. And I was like, dude, is this the show? Like, if it's not serialized, because that's kind of what I was led to believe. We can also almost say they did the same thing this episode, but it was almost every other rather than... Yeah. All of them bunched up together. Yeah, I still... I think the Ice Planet episode this season is going to be that version where you could take it out and it doesn't change oh for sure Mm -hmm. 100 percent. okay i have a theory uh guys i think and i don't know if we'll see this this season it might be teased but i think at some point uh we're gonna get snoke kind of pulling the scenes here um yeah i think that's it's pretty plausible i think we talked about it on a previous episode like we think that maybe why they're harvesting from grogu correct and and obviously, like we know, you know, from the sequel trilogy, spoilers, if I'm assuming you've seen all that if you're watching <laughs> Mandalorian, but actually the Emperor is behind the scenes. So the technology used to harvest Grogu seems very similar to how they were growing Snoke, essentially. Harvesting so, Grogu just sounds so disgusting. It sounds <laughs> weird and bit. wrong, yeah. and it is, so it yeah. should be done that way. Um, but I don't know if they'll show that that directly leads to the Emperor's discovery of how to create Snoke and make this vessel to form the First Order. But I think it would be a really cool through line whenever the Mandalorian essentially wraps up to show whatever Moff Gideon and Thrawn are building leading into the First Order. Because I think when The Force Awakens starts, that was kind of one of our big questions. Like, okay, we defeated the Empire. Now there's this villainous force that looks exactly like them has the same fucking uniforms and feels like the, him. Right. Has the same end goal and has already somehow established dominance again over the galaxy. Like what did we actually achieve from Jedi to now? So this could be a nice way, almost like how rogue one ties up that 
you know, quote unquote plot hole in a new hope where it's like, oh, there's just a fucking hole on the Death Star you have to shoot a, a bomb <laughs> into. Like, well, no, that was actually perfectly put there by yeah. Galen Erso, like on purpose. So this could be a nice way to sort of write that wrong. And then the last thing I had is I think even if it's just over a hologram, we're going to see Thrawn this season. Albeit probably very briefly, but I think he's going to pop up. Maybe in a method where they don't need to have him cast yet. He could have like a hood on or something. But I think you're right. I don't think they have him cast. I think we are going to see a hologram, like you said, but it's going to be from the back. So we only see the back of his head. His voice is going to be a little distorted and him talking to Moff Gideon. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the hierarchy that we're looking at right now. That'd be badass. Yeah. I think that would be awesome. I've got I've got two two more things. Unless were you done, Jeff? I'm sorry. Yep, that's it. Okay. That's all I got. I got two more things. One, oh, cool. real quick, we aren't going to see Timothy Oliphant again, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't think so either. I'm, yeah, and I was obviously pulling for that big time, but he might be my. Aside from Ahsoka, he's probably my second favorite new character that was introduced, and he's probably a top two or three character in the whole show. And I'm really disappointed we're not going to get him. He was truly the gunslinger sheriff of a town of the Western. He made he reminded me that this was a Western show. Yeah, I I kind of feel now like, uh, and it does sort of diminish his role, but his purpose was just to get Boba Fett's armor in Mando's hands. I feel like, which I feel yeah. like is, was really important and done well for sure. Yeah, but but like. Banner was saying it really doesn't facilitate his character coming back. No, and like at this point, without the armor, can he really provide help? much? To, yeah. yeah, to the yeah. to the plot Root, to the Timothy, yeah. But but I mean, it's cool because like in the first episode, he was using the jetpack with Mando and all that kind of stuff. So without it, and Boba Fett's not fucking giving it up now. So look, yeah. you were great for a number of years for us, but we're actually going to trade you to the Knicks. So, sorry. We're getting a first-round draft pick for you, though, if it makes you feel any better. And it's the Knicks, so it'll be a high one. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you have one more thing? One more thing. Um, and this is more of just a question for you guys. Do you think we are ever going to find out how Boba Fett escaped the Sarlacc pit? I personally kind of hope not. That's one of those things so. that... I don't want those gnarly scars on his face to be explained. I'm perfectly fine for, with us saying, okay, he's a badass and he escaped. Move on. I think if it would have been explained, it would have been explained this episode. I don't think they're going to go back and do any backstory at this point. I think it's just going to be kind of full steam ahead and we're just going to accept it for what it is. Agreed. He did give uh, one, he left, he said one comment relating his. Uh, fate on Tatooine to Fennec saying like I was left for dead or something mm-hmm. like that which I think is all we're going to get and I'm kind of with you Banner I mean there are in the Star Wars canon like this this was some of my trepidation against Rogue One ever being made and I end up eating my words big time on that because it might be my favorite Star Wars thing ever made outside of the original trilogy but maybe the story of Boba Fett like you said escaping the Sarlacc pit is cooler in our head than it is to hear or see yeah and I'm the exact same way as you. I was extremely vocal about how I didn't want a solo movie to be made because a lot of the allure of Han Solo was the mystery and, the and Kessel that's run and all that. Yeah. With the Kessel run and all that, you didn't know what was bullshit and what he actually accomplished. 
And they showed it to all that to us on screen. And like you said, Solo is one of my favorite Star Wars pieces. It's a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. And it was about something I didn't even want. So me saying, I don't want to know about Boba Fett. With that being said, if you give me something about Boba Fett's past, yeah, I'm going to be fucking excited. And I don't yeah. even like Boba Fett. I really don't either. I think he's overrated, but yeah. Let's see, prove me wrong, Mandalorian show. All right. Yeah, I had one last thing. So um, I don't know what capacity, but just some of the hints that they've thrown out, the dialogue, um, especially uh, an episode ago with Ahsoka Tana talking about Grogu and saying she senses fear and all this. And then with this last scene where he's throwing these stormtroopers around. And I don't know if it's just because I had the subtitles on that I noticed this, but uh, literally he was choking one of the stormtroopers because it had the subtitles like choking. And you can look at it and like tell mm-hmm. you've seen Darth Vader choke people. I think he's going to go dark at some point. Yeah, and that's a fifth move. I don't know if it's full, but this may be banner. I know. Hold on. We'll get to you. Hold on one second. <laughs> I think that him. may lead to his exile or why he's not mentioned or anything in the last set of trilogies. Um, I think he is going to somehow switch, switch dark and be too much of a threat. And they're going to not kill him, which I had a theory about that earlier, but exile him. So he's not, not a threat to anyone. Yeah, put him in a timeout. <laughs> he's grounded guys. All right, banner, go for it. I know you're excited okay. to say something. Two things. One, that is the most anti star Wars thing that I've like, that goes against everything Star Wars has ever done is make us fall in love with the character. Oh, I know. And then make him go bad. And I want like never you said that I was like, fuck it. yeah, let's do it. It would do be we think tough. Man, I don't know how they could do it, but it it'd be seems like they're going that way. Think. We know Grogu was a trained by multiple different masters and Jedi's. Mm-hmm. He learned the choke thing. That is a trademark of Anakin and Darth Vader. Do we think Anakin had some sort of influence on Grogu's training? I think it's absolutely a possibility. I mean, they were they were at the Jedi Temple and they were on Coruscant at the same time. Yeah, I'm just wondering, and this is easy to write off, but Ahsoka Tana herself was trained by Anakin when she was sensing his thoughts. You'd, I mean, I wonder if she would have brought up like, oh, we both had the same master or we were both trained by... The same I, person. I don't know because That's I feel point. like Ahsoka is somebody that because of her, her past and her um, experience with Anakin, I think she's going to keep a lot of that stuff close to her chest. She seems very reserved and very like somebody that doesn't give a lot away. Well, obviously she had a relationship with Anakin that went south as most of his relationships do. So yeah. if she knew if she felt like Grogu had any of that instilled in him, I wonder if she would have trepidation in helping him learn the ways of the Force. I think there was a little bit mentioned in the episode before last. I can't remember the exact dialogue, but kind of what I was saying a second ago. I sense fear. There's a lot of fear. I can't help him. I yeah. think that may have been what she said or something. Yeah, she said something. So that was about, kind of the feeling I was getting. And I've seen what that does to a good yes. Jedi or something. That's like, what it something is. along those yep. lines. Yeah, that was the line for sure. Damn, good stuff. Great stuff, guys. All right, before we let everybody go, final thoughts, Banner. Not my favorite episode. And again, that's just because I didn't necessarily want this to be the team up that we get at the end of the the show. I didn't like the droids in it. I thought there was a lot of things I didn't like. 
but they were all very, very minor things that I can look past. It was a great episode. Ton of fun. Again, it had a Western feel, which I think is extremely important to remember. This is still a Western that just happens to take place uh, in the Star Wars universe. And they reiterated that in this uh, episode. Yeah, for sure. Nate? Um, yeah, probably one of the definitely top three episode, uh, maybe second favorite. I may put it up at the top. I loved it. It was great. And I love their round robin directors as you get so many different feels and so many different great episodes in different ways. And kudos to Robert Rodriguez for putting his fingerprint on this one. Um, because I, I think it was very well done. Like I've said, this whole, whole pod, but, um, I love, I love getting the different, different directors and, and their different viewpoints. So another job well done on that front. Yeah. And we've mentioned how sometimes it makes the show feel not as serialized with all the different directors, but I do think it's a strength of the show because they get better talent when they know they can come in and essentially put, like you said, your own stamp on an episode without feeling like it's so beholden to where the plot is going. Yeah, Favreau's a badass. Yeah, and he wrote, I think he's written every episode this season. Yeah, so. I think so. I think yeah. He, yeah, that sounds right. What a beast. All right, for the mad scientist Brian Banner and the American hero Nate Thurmond, I'm the Mayor Jeff Hornacek, and we are the Bro 4 Squad podcast. Thank you guys for checking us out. We'll be here for the last two episodes of season two. Hard to believe this uh, second season's almost over with. So check out all of those. You can follow us on Twitter at Bro 4 Squad. Type in Bro force squad as three separate words into youtube apple Podcasts, spotify pretty much anywhere you find your podcasts and check out everything we post on our website at broforcesquad.com till next time i need to go make a long distance uh, force sensitive call to china rates are doubled right now right i think so but it's really important dank ferric you don't really order pizza <laughs> this time <laughs> i've never heard dank ferric till this is that like a person's name it's just like a it's almost like a cuss word, I think. It's gotta be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>